some stools that have backs to them mm. to put here mm -hmm. and put us a little rug down right here. It'd be nice. I mean, there's a piece of onion to me. That's disgusting. Yeah. Let me get up. Um, so yeah, that was not flatulence. That was me ripping up. <laughs> or was it? Dun, dun, dun. So. so what's up with cicadas? What is up with cicadas? I'm just stuck. You on asked this. me that the other day. I know. I'm. I'm very fixated on this. So do they are like? So I know they. Was every seven years they come no, out? No, it's like seventeen. They stay in the ground but, for seventeen years and then come up only but do they to have, mate and then they die. So do they have lives underground? They no, they just eat and they they're like solitary lives underground. They are by themselves solely just feeding. Ready, Off of like nutrients and yeah, the dirt? just in the soil of like decomposing like mm -hmm. bacteria, animals, and stuff like that. And then somehow their instincts tell them to come up out of the ground every seventeen years. They're on like a biological clock or something, and they literally like fly up out of the ground, try to find a mate by like making that noise that you hear mm -hmm. in the south a lot. They find but a mate. They're, they're and out. Then, they're out every year. Because there's another... Well, yeah, because they're off schedule. Okay. So there's a mass swarm of them every 17 years. But they come out every year because some of them are out of sequence. So every 17 years, you see this, like, mass group of cicadas, and it's, like, overtaking the world or something. Hmm. And then, like, you have some that come out every single year. So that's what you hear. But then, like, every 17 years, you'll just have, like... I don't know. It's just crazy to me. They literally come out of the ground just to mate, and then right after they mate, they die. They spend 17 years by themselves in the ground. I'm sorry, but that's just crazy to me. So that's what's going on with Taylor. <laughs> so what's going on with you? <laughs> I'm in my next to last week of ALS, and I couldn't be happier. Well, I mean, I could be happier that I'm almost done. I, I could be happier. <laughs> Oh. Yeah. ALS is an experience, so I'm ready to be done with it. I got my final test tomorrow, which I was stressing about a little earlier, but I think I'm going to be okay. And then, um, yeah, next week I have one more, excuse me, I'm going to yawn. One more thing due, um, and then that's it. So then I graduate next Thursday. Graduate next Thursday, and we're going to get all fancy dressed up. Mm, get my blue. And go to your graduation. Yeah. And we're going to take lots of pictures and post them on Instagram. So look out for those. Yeah. <laughs> Looking swanky. Smash that like. <laughs> Smash that like. Well, it's a double tap. Yeah, oh, double tap. Double tap. Sorry. Anywho, um, yeah, so I don't really have much to say about it, just honestly, because I'm so tired. From it, mm -hmm. um, you know, we talked about it before, but I'm way more tired, way, way more ex overall exhausted and fatigued from this than I am any given day of work. Mm -hmm. and my actual like physically laborious job, laborious, yeah, laborious. Not my laboratory. Laboratory. <laughs> but um, the, you know this whole academic thing. Sitting in this class, honestly, just being around, like, you know, I, I sit in a class with thirteen other people from thirteen different places in the Air Force, like career fields, and it just gets exhausting. But however, comma, I have. Oh no. Yeah. An Oxford comma. 
I can't stand people. I, I, you I know what I can't stand? Excuse I can't me, I have to jump off the balcony. Just, just, just to stand it when people go, however, comma. Like, they say that out loud. Have you met people that do that? No. Yeah, they'll be like, so this, that, and the third, and then however, comma. Like, they'll say however, comma. That's annoying. Super annoying. Also, is that correct grammatically? Yeah, however, comma. Well, isn't there supposed to be, like, a semicolon before that? Well, I guess it depends on the... Yeah, on what you're talking about. I don't know, but I just... Honestly, I don't use Oxford commas. Never have. I don't see a point in it. So that drives me nuts. Isn't that a Vampire Weekend song? Argue with me. Let's... What does that mean? Prove me wrong. <laughs> um, yes, they yes. look better on paper, and it makes when you're reading, it makes it flow better. No, I have had professors, like, they'll knock you on stuff, or dock you, I guess you would say, if you are inconsistent in your usage. So if you use an Oxford comma in one place, then you have to use it throughout the paper. Yeah, exactly. I agree. But I never use it. So it's fine. Okay. okay. Sorry, I'm, a, I'm just very passionate about this. I who, just don't think it matters, who, and I just think... Who gives a crap about an Oxford comma? Who gives a about an Oxford comma? You don't know the words? <laughs> Not really. Yeah. Vampire Weekend's uh, new music. Ooh. Full, full of bops. Yeah. Um, I'm so mad. What though, a bop. Because people literally, so that Sunflower video came out, mm-hmm. and the next day I saw a headline, Vampire Weekend's new music video, Sunflower, has no women in the video. And I'm like, what? Like, so? Okay, Ezra is married to Rashida Jones, which is like the of, ultimate feminist. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know, it was so bonkers. I was just like, what are you talking about? Like. And then the next That's article. That's the world we live in. And then the next article I saw was Sunflower, Vampire Weekend Sunflower, a song you, you you should like know or something like that. And I'm like, okay, I'm getting mixed signals here. And like, I <laughs> Wait, should, should I, I be, know it or should, should we be mad? mad like, I don't know which one should be. Should <laughs> Tell be me what to think, internet. Yeah. Please. Yeah, I couldn't think for myself. <laughs> um, anywho. So, yeah, you, you're going to college. and Again. You're working. I'm. <laughs> in this class uh graduate next week i can't wait to be excuse me again you're gonna make me this yawn. is the episode of sleepy houston usually i'm amped and yeah jacked. usually you're the one that's talking yeah. i'm talking way more than you are yeah so um yeah did we talk about beer already uh, or is that before we... I think, yeah, we did. We did this I'm one? I'm pretty sure. The, the second take? Yeah. What are the cats doing? I don't know. Let's talk about the cats. Ugh. Houston hates the cats. I don't hate them. I just... I'm trying to... I don't well, the cats hate him, The cats honestly. despise me. Yeah. Margaret is like, well, okay, he's here, so I guess... I guess I'll we can him. just coexist. Yeah. Francis... She won't even look at you. Hates my guts, yeah. dude. Like, she hates everything I stand for. <laughs> um, she could do without me. Yeah. 
For sure. Like she contemplates death every morning. Yeah, she gets up on the windowsill and she's just like looks Staring down. down. We live on the eighth floor, so we live, <laughs> we live about we live about a solid probably like hundred and thirty feet up off the ground, and yeah. she just looks stares down, and she's just like sweet I'm, sweet death. I'm so ready. I'm so ready. <laughs> Please take she's me. Like, I swear, if he comes in the same room I'm in one more I'm gonna time, jump. I'm gonna I'm do done. it. I may not have thumbs that can open this window, but I can get. No, if if we accidentally left any of the doors or in, any windows open, they would for sure jump out. You know, I think this is really good training, though, for having a kid. Because by that way, we know we like, can't leave <laughs> to, any of these stuff. To lock doors and windows? Yeah. I guess that's true. Speaking of kids, they're going to freak out when we have a kid. Yeah, they are. Yeah. <laughs> because apparently that's what went wrong with their last owners. Yeah. So the people we got them from before, there wasn't an issue with... The cat and the kid, mm-hmm. it was just they said, oh, I don't have time for these cats. But that's super bizarre to me because cats don't really want your time. No. They just like, want to exist. Even with you, they love you. Mm-hmm. But they can take or leave you mm-hmm. most of the time. They're yeah. like, eh, I'll get up here and you mm-hmm. can pet me. Mm-hmm. Or not. Yeah. Or I can just go over here and mm-hmm. look at you. Yeah, they don't care. They could care. Honestly, they could not care less not, than they yeah. already do. I hate it when people use that incorrectly. Could, yeah. But they, they, people will use that incorrectly 90-something percent of the time. Yeah. I could care less. Yeah. So you care. Could? So you, you, you care you more? Ca- you care. You do care? Like, so how much do you care now? Like, <laughs> Give me a percentage. Like, I mean, at a scale of 1 to 10 Bring on it down Coco's for curry spice, what do, you, what do you care? Oh, man. Mm, we should have yeah. got that for dinner instead. We had it last night. Eh, it's fine. Yeah. We can eat it two days in a row. We had it to go, so we could have gotten away with it. Um, yeah. Could have gotten away with it, Margaret's too. Margaret's just sitting there right now looking insane. Margaret's she, um, clinically insane. Yeah, no, yeah. She's um, insane. She just sits and stares at us. And she eats. She she knows that the plants are going to make her sick, but she still eats them anyways. I don't even feel bad about it. There's all these articles like, don't let your cat eat this. Don't have fine. this plant if you're... And like I'm they like, you know what? It. You know what? If that cat is stupid enough to eat something <laughs> that she knows is gonna kill her, then go for it. Houston. <laughs> no, it hasn't like hurt them. They just vomit. Yeah, I'm sure that And then I have to clean it up. She's crazy. She's insane. Yeah. I do think that palm tree's growing though. Have you noticed that? Yeah. It looks bigger. Both the plants are growing because I'm taking care of them. Whatever. The other day, Taylor was like, I was like, have you seen this new leaf? And she goes, you mean the leaf that's dying on the, the Monstera plant? She goes, that leaf that's like curled up and dying? I'm like, no, this is a brand new leaf that's uncurling. Like the way the Monstera works is it grows like a stalk. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then at the end of the stalk, uh, a leaf forms mm-hmm. at the end. And then it like starts wrapped. to uh, yeah, wrapped up and then it uncurls itself. Mm-hmm. And she was like, eh. I'm like, no, it's a new leaf. But and it just looks dingy. Sure enough. It's a new leaf. High five. The whole plant kind of looks dingy. That's because, because Margaret eats it all the yeah, time. Yeah, she just nibbles on it. We had to put cayenne red pepper all over our plant. It worked for a little while. It's still working. I haven't seen any dirt anywhere. I think they... I've, yeah. I they don't dig in it. That's the... But yeah. they do bite the palm leaves. That's fine. Whatever. The palm the palm, uh, little plant will learn to grow its leaves up higher. It's evolution. Evolution. That's nonsense. No, yeah, you're right. Um, the earth is flat. Oh, time's just a flat circle. Why should I care about history? I don't want to know. What does he say? He's like, I don't want to know the truth anymore or something like that. <laughs> Honestly, it's kind of how I feel. Mm. Um, okay, so let's um, segue into our topic here. I don't know. I'm kind of liking just 
Just randomly talking? Yeah. No, let's talk about it. So um, our topic that we decided for today is jobs that we've had. Yeah. And so I guess I'm going to start and say that the first job that I got when I was 16 years old was Chick-fil-A. Did you have any odd jobs before that that you weren't like taxed on? Like it wasn't a legal job? I mean, look, I, look at this! Look at this idiot! What's she doing right now? She's just staring she just at brought, us. Whatever that is in the floor in front of her, she brought it in here and spit it out of her mouth. And <laughs> shook her head like a dummy. Houston, be nice to her. She doesn't. All right. Um. So I mean, I babysat and like sat. Mm. With so old your people. first job, but like sat so with old people. Babysat and, and then old. Geriatric sat. Yes, yes. Wow. Yeah. You just sat with old people? Yeah, I mean, they had, like, dementia and stuff. So you just sat with them? They trusted, like, a 13-year-old girl? Yeah, I watched The Price is Right with my great-grandma, and I got paid for it. Wait a second. What? Hold on. What? You're telling me that you spent time with your great-grandmother, and they gave you money for it? My Mimi's awesome, okay? She paid me for anything. I would literally be like, Mimi, I love you. And she'd be like, here's a dollar. <laughs> okay, moving forward. <laughs> All right, so you, you your first jobs, though, were babysitting. And yeah, I, I babysat and then... Um, oh, there's Francis. Yeah. Sorry, I keep getting distracted. You are. I'm going to turn this way. Um, and, but yeah, when I, I tried to get a job when I was 15 because I remember my best friend, Jessie, she got a job at the suntan hut, the tanning bed. Do you remember that place? Yeah. The Suntan Hut. She Next got a job. IHOP? Yeah, she yeah. got a job. No, it used to be by um, Starbucks. Well, no, they still have a location over there, I'm pretty sure. But by they Starbucks. expanded. That place is something different that came okay. later. Anyways. Anyway. Um, anyway. She got a job there when she was 15, and I was so jealous, and I was trying to get a job because, you know, like 15 years old, you want to start making money. Because mm. um, I don't even know why we needed money at that point. But. Mm. Honestly, I think I was, like, a little emo, so I kind of wanted to, like, go buy things at Hot Topic. Mm. I think that's really what I wanted money for. But I finally got a job at Chick-fil-A when I was 16, and I was old enough to drive and everything. So, literally, all of the money that I made at Chick-fil-A went to gas. Like, every bit of it. I didn't have any leftover money. You just spent it all on gasoline. Yeah, like, going back and forth to work. Hmm. I was like, what is the point? I mean, at the time, it was just something to do. Yeah. After school, it's like, oh, I have a job, you know? Yeah. And you got to meet people that didn't go to model high school. Yeah. Which was nice. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. I had a terrible boss, though. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the first guy that I worked under at Chick-fil-A, he was only, like, a little bit older than me. And he was a supervisor. And it was just the strangest thing because he was, like, making me stay late. Like, after work and mop the floors every oh, night. Oh, this is the guy that, like, hit on me, too. Yeah, yeah, Super weird. He made me stay late every night and mop. And, like, would force me to, like, hang out with him. He's like, oh, are you going to hang out with me tonight after work? And I would be like, no. And he's like, oh, well, I guess you're going to stay and mop again. Isn't that so strange? It's not only strange, but illegal. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, like, it was my first job. I was 16 years old, and I just, like... I didn't think that it was okay, but at the same time, I was just, like, too afraid to say anything. Folks, this happened at Chick-fil-A. Yeah. yeah. A Christian establishment. The Christian <laughs> chicken, as some call it. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, there was some crazy stuff going on at Chick-fil-A, honestly. And not only like a Chick-fil-A, but the Dwarf House. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is like central Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Like Windshape and all that stuff. All that stuff. Um, Yeah, you can't, I guess, generalize it off one bad apple. Yeah. I mean, we, but we had that guy, and then we had all the stuff going on with like the grill people that I've told you about. So it was just like a... Which is fun, which is honestly work. is funny. Can we talk about it? Yeah. Okay. Sure. It's it's not funny. It's I mean it's kind of sad, really. But the fact that like this is okay. This is getting into like a touchy voodoo subject. But um, going back to the Christian chicken and you know kind of that whole whole thing. Um, mm. It's just you know what? Never mind. You don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. Okay. Yeah. That's I fine. Go there. I don't want well, I'm trying to make this you're leaving people cool. hanging, so I'm just going to summarize. Okay. Um, so basically, we had people. First of all, everyone was under the impression that everyone that worked at Chick Fil A was just like super Christian and like mm. did no wrong and holy. Holier which, than that. Holier than that. Which I'm here to tell you is definitely not the case. Yeah. While they might have, and I do appreciate um, Chick Fil A's business model. And, like, the things that they instilled in me to, like, mm, like how I treat customers yeah. and, like, customer service. It is your pleasure. I, that's creepy. But I think that they have, like, a good business model. Yeah. Like, you, you can't tell me one time you've been in a Chick-fil-A and felt like you didn't get, like, adequate service. Ever. If not, like, good service. I can't think of like, one like, time service. bad service yeah. Chick-fil-A. Like, it just doesn't happen. And that's, like, what they're known for. And yeah. I do think that's true. I think that Chick-fil-A is Even a... Even in Maryland, where it's, yeah. like, customer service comes mm-hmm. out of, like, a price. And that's another thing. It's, like, yeah. you, you might get that in, like, Rome, Georgia at the Chili's, but if you go down to, like... Making Georgia chilies, it's or not going to be House. like or Waffle House. It's not going to be the same. But <laughs> like the Chick Fil A chain itself, they hand select all of their owner operators. Mm. So everybody that opens a Chick Fil A store, they have some sort of connection with, and they know is going to carry out like their philosophy. Yeah. On business. Yeah. So, I think that I learned a lot from Chick-fil-A, but it was just like a super weird place to work, especially at 16. They did work with my schedule. It was like I played 50 different sports for some reason because I felt like I had to do everything. And we were able to make our schedules like weekly. So we would just literally mark down on a piece of paper when we needed off and we were given that. Like they really support young people and like what they need to do and like college college students. students, They give like I got a Chick-fil-A scholarship for college, they, it was only like a thousand dollars, but still, it's something. So let's not talk about any negative things about Chick Fil A. Okay. It was great. All right, let's just leave on that positive note. I mean, it was. I would I don't recommend. Think, it to I don't anyone. think Chick Fil A. I don't think Truett Kathy. No. Is not. I don't. They're to blame. I think they're just in any organization. You're gonna have bad people. You're gonna have bad people. Yeah. That, Anybody that's young and like you're 16 years old and you need a job, work at Chick Fil A. Like it was an awesome place to work. But if you own a Chick Fil A or you're a general manager of a Chick Fil A, don't allow someone who's 17, 18 years old to To be be in charge of another 16 year old girl. Yeah, especially that. Who's I don't know. It was just a weird dynamic. You're in like a very vulnerable situation there. Mm -hmm. Honestly, unfortunately. Yeah. Um. So yeah. There was that. Chick-fil-A, I worked there for five years. Long time. And 
I worked at the Dwarf House in Rome for a while, and then I went to college in Kennesaw, Georgia, and I worked at the Chick-fil-A on Chastain Road for, I think, over a year or something like that. And then when I transferred to Georgia Highlands because I failed PE and lost my Hope Scholarship, (laughs) I went back to Chick-fil-A Dwarf House. And that's another thing that was really great about Chick-fil-A is as soon as I came back home and I was like, I messed up. My life's in shambles. Like, they were the first people to be like, oh, well, you always have a job here if you need it. Even though it sucked. I was like, I don't want to come back and work at Chick-fil-A, but, like, I had a job there. Yeah. So I was immediately able to start work when I came back home. That's nice. And I, I feel like it would always be like that. Like, if I went back to Rome for some random reason, they would be like, oh, well, you always had a job. Because, like, well, the like, same guy like, is still in charge. Well, you had, like, uh, the guy who made your mom. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> I don't know where he is, um, but I'm s- saying like the general manager is still the same. Yeah. Like he knows me. You had like two older ladies who like retired from Chick Fil A, right? Yeah, yeah. So two, um, yeah, two older ladies retired from Chick Fil A, and one was like a lady who worked in the back window, the drive-through for mm-hmm. a while. And when she got older, they gave her a chair, and she just sat back there and take took money and cash people out yeah but she retired and then a lady in the kitchen retired as well good for them yeah so so what did you do at Chick-fil-a um so I worked there for a really long time they got me through college paid for my car for a while <laughs> and then I worked at I went back to Kennesaw and I worked to the pizza place yeah I delivered pizzas. Oh, yeah. I forgot you delivered pizzas. Yeah. I delivered pizzas at, um, it was called Ray's Pizza. Like R-A-Y? Yeah. Mm. I think it's a chain, but only Mm. in like Atlanta, was How was delivering pizzas? Terrifying? Yeah. Like, I can only imagine. So scary. I would be scared to deliver pizzas. So, like, I didn't start out delivering pizzas. I started out working in the restaurant as a host or hostess, whatever. And so... It's, 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 It's server. (laughs) <laughs> whatever yeah. I was get mad when you call a waitress yeah saying, no, it's server <laughs> whatever, whatever dude <laughs> I, I was just sitting people good luck in Mexico because all their words are gender based <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> um so I, I was just sitting people and then they like people quit and they were like well we really need somebody to deliver pizzas and I was just needing something to do I was like okay well, I'm tired of literally just sitting people at tables they weren't letting me be a waitress or a server. The server. Okay. <laughs> so I was like, hey, I'll deliver pizzas, not knowing how traumatic the experience was going to be. So, like, I just remember one time, this was, like, right before I quit. And this is, I've only quit, like, two jobs in my life, and this was one of them. I went to deliver this guy's pizza at a hotel. It was, like, an extended stay hotel in Kennesaw. And I just, like, I walked up to the door and, like, knocked on it. And I was waiting on him to come to the door. He got his pizza. And then he, like, invited me in. And it was just the weirdest experience in my life. He was like, oh, you you can come in. And I was just like, no, thanks. Got to go back to work. Like, at first I was being, like, very polite, even though I just wanted to, like, run away. And then he was like, no, come in. Like, no, come in. Have some drinks with me. And, like, it, it was just so weird. It's bizarre. Yeah. Was he gross? Or? Yeah, it's disgusting. He was like in his fifties. 
God, it gives me a, that gives me palpitations, honestly. Yeah, and so, like, I went back to work and just was, like, kind of quiet the rest of the night, and I was like... I'm sorry that happened. It's okay. And then, um, everyone used the same central register at the front of the store, and so money started coming up missing out of the drawer. Well, I was the one signed into the register, but everyone was using it. So, like... My name was on it, but, like, all of the servers were going to do, like, cash out whatever mm. in my drawer. All of the um, people that were delivering pieces were cashing out in my drawer. So, like, money was coming up missing. And so, like, since my name was attached to the drawer, I was being, like, oh, you're stealing money kind of thing. Like, I was, like, accused of it. It was so weird. And so I was, like, okay, well, I don't like this job anyway, so I'm going to quit. <laughs> so I just, like, didn't come back. And it was super awkward because... My, one of my friends at the time was still working there, and we started at the same time, and then they just, like, kept working there after me. And it was just like, oh, well, why'd so-and-so quit? And, I don't know. It was just weird. Yeah. But, um... So, delivering pieces so didn't work I, out. I think it made it look like I was stealing money. Yeah, I was going to say. After I quit, it was like, yeah. oh, obviously she was the one stealing money. It's like, no, I just didn't like being accused of stealing money. Yeah, and then but, yeah. yeah. So, um... Delivering pieces is just sketchy in general. It's you know, so honestly. scary, it's honestly. So scary, yeah. It's stressful. Well, like, here we have Pizza Hut and people deliver on base. That wouldn't be bad. No. You're just delivering pizzas on base. But, like, imagine delivering pizzas in, like, D.C. Yeah. No. Not happening. That's terrifying. It's not, <laughs> not going to happen. No. So, um... Tip your pizza delivery drivers a lot more yeah. than you are. That's, that's what took so long while I go is on to make sure I tip this guy. Yeah. Because so. it's a tough job. Um, yeah, it really is. And, like, I don't know how most people do it, but we didn't get compensated for gas or anything. See, on base, they, they, they use, different. They use like, company oh, cars. Company, yeah. Like, pizza, like mm-hmm. Avies own cars, you know? See, when I was delivering pizzas, I was just cruising around Kennesaw in my Mustang. Yeah. Just burning gas. It was so expensive. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, yeah, so... I think that was in between the Chick-fil-A stages. So, like, Chick-fil-A pizza, Chick-fil-A, and then I worked at a bank for a little while. Terrible, right? Oh, my God. Worst worst experience in my life. It only lasted, like, a month. Yeah, it was only, like, a month. And if Jordan's listening to this, she's going to laugh so hard because, honestly, I was, like, kind of fired from this job. Mm. And I, I, like, don't put it on resumes and stuff because it's, like, if they called them, they would be, like, first of all, who is this person? Secondly, oh, yeah, she was fired. I've never understood the whole thing for, like, resumes and applications, like, putting your um, your jobs and stuff I don't. I put so like, Chick-fil-A on there because that's, like, like... It's the same to me as, like, with college courses. Like yeah. College applications. It's, like, did you, like, you have to put down the whole mm-hmm. line. I'm yeah. paying you money. What does mm-hmm. it matter where I went before? Mm-hmm. How about I just... How about I just pay you $30,000? Well, I see jobs, like, they're trying to see, like, relevant experience and stuff. But, like, I honestly, I'm not going to lie. I purposefully don't put this job on there because it was only a month. I don't consider myself as, like, actually their employee, if that makes sense. Like, I literally only lasted a little bit out of the, like, training, Training, whatever. Probation window. Yeah. It was, like, a 90-day whatever. Mm. Um. So well, was three months. So I, it was this bank in Marietta that I worked for, and one of my friends from Chick Fil A got a job there, and she recommended it to me, and so I applied, and I was literally like eighteen at the time. Mm. Eight, well, no, I was nineteen, I think. So I was still a baby, 
And she was like, you should apply for this job. It's a lot more money than Chick-fil-A. We can work together. And she was one of my friends. So I applied and I got the interview and got the job and everything. Mm-hmm. So first of all, I was late like every day to training. I was like 19 years old, had been doing whatever the night before. And I was just like late every day. But like I came and I did whatever I needed to. Well, then it came time to, they trained us at this central location in Marietta, but then they have branches, right? So then they like assign everyone to a different branch of the bank. Mm -hmm. So she got assigned to this branch that was close to her house in Woodstock. And I got assigned to this branch that was in East Cobb, like Roswell, like way out of the way, like close to Atlanta. I was in Kennesaw and living in the dorms. And it was just like, how, how am I going to work? You know? So I show up at this place and it's like from my dorm, it took me like an hour to get even to get Mm. to work. And so obviously I'm, I'm late again because traffic's just stupid. And I don't know. I'm just, honestly, this is the job that I have right now is probably like the only time that I haven't been late consistently. I'm just a late person. So I was late like every day. And finally the lady in the air force, I'll fix it. Yeah. Well, I'm better now. Like I haven't been late a single day since I started this job and I, I was never late student teaching. It was just like, early 20s habit before that probably but um yeah so the lady that was my manager boss person she like sat me down one day and she was like what do we need to do to make this better for you and I was like well you know like I'm in the dorms and I'm having to drive here every day well they couldn't do anything for me and it was kind of just like decided at that point that this just like wasn't gonna work for me So we were, like, trying to figure something out, and then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to quit, and she was like, that's probably best. (laughs) So it was like a mutual agreement that I quit or I was going to get fired. I think if you put it – so that's fine. I haven't put it down, but I think if you did put it on your resume, it sounds to me like you wouldn't have, like, a bad – what's the word? No, I mean, I was young. What's the word that I'm looking for? Like, recommendation. Recommendation. Like, no, but I like doubt be like, they would honestly, even y'all, sounds me. like y'all had like an adult conversation where it's just mm-hmm. like, this ain't working. Yeah. So that's, I wouldn't feel bad. That's how it. it was decided. Not even to that meeting, like I knew what was happening. So I mm-hmm. like brought my keys and everything. And I was like, yeah, this isn't like, so I gave her my keys at that meeting. That's to me, that's a, that's a, that's a solid adult conversation. Thanks. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Because I feel I, like at it, the time, I you've always like, told me this, but you never told me like that yeah, part. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, you never told me like all the details and like how y'all are both like this just ain't working we can't yeah do this for you so it is what it is man happened it happened um tell me about your um before we get into my jobs tell mm -hmm. me about your retail experience because oh i totally forgot about that so i worked at j crew for a little while so after i moved back to rome for like the hundredth time and moved back to marietta i was living with my friend jordan and we were in the East Cobb area, actually. Mm. And I got a job at J. Crew, which mm-hmm. is like everyone knows what J. Crew is. It's like this stupid, expensive. <laughs> um, they have, you know, girls, men's, women's, and kids' clothing. Um, and it's kind of like a preppy style, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Like they're, it's preppy clothing. Yeah. 
basically like teacher clothing, honestly. Like mm, what you would yeah. see teachers wearing or it's like moms in their 30s. It's like, it's essentially like Ralph Lauren. Yeah, but like more expensive for no yeah. reason. Anyway, um, so I got a job at J. Crew in this little shopping center close to where we live. And it was the first retail job that I had. And I absolutely hated it. The worst. I'd rather work in food service any day, which I haven't even talked about Starbucks. Yeah. But, like, J. Crew, no offense to J. Crew, but, like, golly, it was terrible. It was so stressful. First of all, when I started, we were still doing, like, um, commission sales. So we were forced to sell things and then forced to, like, sell the credit cards. And if we didn't get certain number of old women signing up for credit cards and we were basically like scolded and threatened to be fired that's insane <laughs> so like I worked with I, two of my co-workers I liked working with but the one person that I constantly had to work with was just the worst yeah. and it just made life miserable like every time I had to work I was closing with her because I would go to school during the day so I would always have to work at night so it was always this one girl. So in the tiny store that I worked with, it was a women's only J. Crew, and so it would be one um, like salesperson, and then one supervisor. And so it would just be us two in the store all night long. And yeah, so every time a lady came in, we would have to greet them. Well, then like. I personally, if I'm going into a store, I don't want somebody to bother me. Like, if I need help, I'm going to ask you help for something. I mean, it is nice for somebody to say, like, hey, how's it going? Do you need help with anything? Cool. I'm going to leave you alone. As soon as they say, no, I don't need help with anything. Like, but it was, like, J. Crew's philosophy to, like, keep bugging these people and, like, yeah. make them buy something. If they don't want to buy something, then, like, basically force them to buy something. So... We would have ladies, like, come into the store and go into the dressing rooms, and we would, like, stand outside of the dressing room and, like, ask them questions about everything they were trying on. It was so uncomfortable. And they would come out, and you're, you would be like, oh, well, like, do you, are you interested in buying this credit card today? And it was just... At the dressing room door? Like, as soon as they came out, yeah, you were, like, pressured to, like, offer them things constantly. Oh, sounds gross. And we couldn't stand behind the cash wrap thing um, unless you were checking somebody out. Like, if you even went behind, it was just like, hey, what are you doing? Like, why are you going behind there? Um, I remember one time Jordan and her sister came in because they were visiting me at work, and I was just, like, talking to them. I got in trouble for, like, even sitting there and, like, having a conversation with Jordan and her sister, Jenna. And then they come up, and I'm like, hey, well, we do, like, a student discount. It's like 10%, something stupid, but we do it. And then I got in trouble for like offering that to them because they didn't ask for it first. Does that make sense? What I don't understand about these places, honestly, is look at Francis. I don't see her. Oh, <laughs> she's so sleepy. Is, uh, I don't understand the type of person who like is a supervisor and a manager, like, how do they live with themselves? Honestly, like, I know that's I a know. mean thing to say. Well, my, super, like, or my store manager eventually quit and went to a different brand. But, like, people who get into these industries just kind of move from brand to brand. So, like, she came from, 
I want to say Loft or something like that, mm. some other women's clothing brand. And then she, after I left, shortly after that, she switched to, like, some other, like, Lululemon or something like that. So they just kind of, like, go from brand to brand yeah, doing stuff like that. But they have similar business models. So it's like they're familiar with all of that stuff. I don't know. It's just creepy, honestly. How much stuff, and they did change the commission thing. It eventually changed to where, like, you don't push commission sales and let people come to you about stuff, but it was still, like, an unspoken thing that you were supposed to, like, ask. It was just so uncomfortable, because, like, the same, you would see the same people come in and, like, no, I told you literally, like, yesterday yeah. that I didn't want to get a credit card. Yeah. But so you get yelled at for not asking. So or and then you have to, like, ask for someone's email yeah. to, like, when you're checking someone out, like, oh, can I get your email to put you in the system? And customers would say, well, what for? Which is, like, a valid question. Like, why are you using my email? And you would have to say, like, oh, well, we send you emails for blah, blah, blah. And then, like, if they said no... It was almost like we had to keep, like, pressing them about it. Oh, well, why not? Can we, like, change your mind, essentially? Just, I don't know. I could never be an entrepreneur. So gross. Mm-hmm. That's not an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur has nothing to do with, like, violating people's, like, wishes and stuff. Yeah. I know what you're saying. You, I, the, My question about that was, like, I just don't understand what type of person – is able to like enforce those kind of standards and like rules. I couldn't. You know, I couldn't do it. I'd rather work for food service any day, like I said. And then I eventually, after that, got a job at Starbucks. Yeah, which is a whole other can of worms. I don't think we got time for you to talk about Starbucks. Okay. That should be another time. Just a whole episode about Starbucks. Maybe. <laughs> well, just briefly, I worked at Starbucks for three years, I think. Three years. I don't know, but so I worked. You worked at some serious chains, man. Yeah. You worked at like the most serious chains. Yeah. Chick Fil A, J Crew, Starbucks, and Starbucks. Yeah. Like as far as like, that's insane. Honestly, mm-hmm. like you worked at some some places like the most corporate. I I will say the best place that I think I feel like worked at is Starbucks. Yeah. For sure, I worked at the Rome Starbucks, and then I worked at the Starbucks in. Marietta, and then I worked at a Starbucks in Calhoun, which was very oh, brief. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I remember that. Very, very brief. And, like, I was hardly ever there. And I do feel kind of bad about it because he hired me. And then – but it's the thing. Like, if you if you work at Starbucks and you're transferring to another store, it's almost like they have to take you. And they don't know what to expect. And it's not like I was a bad worker. I just – Seriously, well, in between, like, coming, running to D.C. and seeing you in school, I just never had time to work. Yeah. So I would, like, be scheduled every week, but get somebody to cover my weekend shifts. Was never there. Oh, well. It's fine. But um, despite my disagreements with, like, certain managers at Starbucks, which you're going to run into everywhere... I think it was a really good place to work. Starbucks, everybody knows Starbucks is, like, inclusive of people. Um, and that includes veterans, <laughs> despite people's, know, right. despite people's um, I guess, false opinions or 
perceptions perceptions of um, Starbucks as a company. But there's this thing called affirmative action, and I didn't know this until recently. But affirmative action includes uh, veterans, yeah, of the U.S. military. So, and not only veterans, but active duty member, uh, active duty member spouses as mm-hmm. well. <laughs> they have a program where you get put into yeah. a different like preference tier. Yeah, if you're a spouse of an active duty member. Mm-hmm. That's why they ask there's you in all the applications. Um, in Virginia, right mm-hmm. close to Fort Belvoir, mm-hmm. where like the whole store, all of was the employees dedicated. were dependents. Yeah, everybody was a de- military yeah. dependent. When I say dependent, like a spouse or a child mm-hmm. of a military member. Yeah, it's crazy. They give you a special apron with like something on mm-hmm. it, signifying that you're a, a dependent oh or a spouse or you're active or you were active duty, whatever. But um, it's ma'am. <laughs> it's just what that reminds me. Of, honestly, <laughs> that whole like to me that lady that person and that it's ma'am video is like the same the same as the people as the yeah. people are like merry christmas yeah. at starbucks so like, that's what oh i was gonna God. say like get over yourself i despite starbucks being a good job itself what what yeah <laughs> what no that wasn't no right. anyways <laughs> <go ahead. laughs> um what was I saying? Starbucks. <laughs> Despite Starbucks being a, um, I don't even know what I was saying. A good job itself, I did deal with worst the worst customers, customers worst at Starbucks. Because everybody goes to Starbucks. Mm-hmm. Everyone can afford Starbucks. It's like J. Crew. We got a select group of um, middle-aged white women that would come in and, and spend their and, money. And, and, and honestly, middle-aged white women with that kind of money are either one in the spectrum. They're either terrible or they're just super nice. Mm-hmm. Like, that's been yeah. my experience. I mean, yeah. that's, that's a bad thing to say. But, like, honestly, whatever. I'm mm-hmm. profiling. Mm-hmm. Like, they are, seriously, they're either the worst people you've ever met in your life mm-hmm. or they are the sweetest, mm-hmm. most generous, humble people. Mm-hmm. And it just so happened that all the middle-aged white women that came to Starbucks were the in the terrible category. Yeah. So, except Anita and Angel, yeah, they're sweet. Sorry, guys, we're not talking about. You. Well, maybe my mom. No, Angel, Angel's, a, she's a sweet. That's fine. <laughs> okay, so um, yeah, people would come in Starbucks, and you know, we had the whole Christmas fiasco where people were like, and I worked there during this time. People were literally ordering, and they would be like, "Write Merry Christmas on my cup," like, "My name is Merry Christmas," <laughs> write it on my cup, and it's just like. Lady, I'm not entertaining this right now. And then I had a lady come to the drive-thru once and just saying, like, she's not probably going to come back because gay people are an, are an abomination. I don't know. And then I was just like, oh, well, I'm gay. You know, <laughs> she was, like, so uncomfortable. So I, eventually I just, like, started messing with people. Yeah. Like, the customers at Starbucks. Because they yeah. they're messing with you. Yeah. They think they don't, they don't see the person mm-hmm. on the other side of the counter. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, all they see is Starbucks. Like yeah. They don't understand that those, the people, people back there doing that work or human beings or kids' friends or mm-hmm. kids' teacher one day. You know? Like, it doesn't – like, it's just insane to me. Mm-hmm. Like, um, Oh, yeah. We had people just, like, I don't know, just straight up rude. Like, I mean, some of the – I mean, honestly – people that work at Starbucks and it's just like people that work at Starbucks and then also I mean Starbucks is included in the service industry but 
So like bartenders mm-hmm. and then like Starbucks employees, mm-hmm. um, and uh, like are some of the most educated people. <laughs> like, oh my gosh! So everyone I worked degrees. with at Starbucks like pretty much had a degree. Yeah, and it's just like man, like y'all don't <sighs> like all everybody I worked with was smart. either in college or yeah. you know already had been to college and just honestly the economy sucks and you can't get a job. Yeah. Anyway, so. Yeah, service industries is tough. Yeah, so I guess that's a good segue into your jobs. Those are all the jobs that I've had. Well, my job, my my working career started around I think like thirteen ish. I um started cutting grass, mm-hmm. mowing lawns. Uh, so I was pretty fortunate that I had I lived in this kind of like really um. There's like two roads that just kind of came together, put a stop sign, and each road had a line of houses, and then behind the houses, it created like this cool, like, um, kind of square shaped plot of land that mm-hmm. was probably like, I don't know, honestly, it's hard to say, like, thousand yards by thousand yards. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a big, big, big chunk of land and it was all grass Mm -hmm. then everybody's yards ran into that field you know and so uh, a lot of older folks and then I had family that I was just neighbors with so pops had a riding lawnmower and the gas station was across the intersection we could just drive the lawnmower over there and fill it up with gas and then the weed put the weed eater in your lap drive right across the bypass put gas in the lawnmower and the weed eater or well mix and the weed eater and you're good to go Mm-hmm. And then I would just mow lawns. Yeah. Uh, mom and mom and dad mowed my parents' lawn. I mowed the probably there was one, two, about four to five lawns. I'm, I'm, I'm lawns that I mowed, <laughs> and everybody paid me anywhere from, you know, I mean, you know, a lot of these people were on fixed incomes, mm-hmm. so they'd pay me anything from 20 bucks, 20 bucks up to 60 bucks, yeah. depending on what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Like, so, it was nice. Good little chunk of change at 13, 14 years old. But, you know, I bought all the CDs and video games I wanted. You know, <laughs> nice, dude. Um, and, you know, it taught me a lot as well. It taught me about hard work. I saw my dad out there working hard and everything, and it got me out there working. It's not easy work. I mean, 13 years old, I don't think there's many 13-year-olds no. walking around now with a weed eater. Oh, my gosh. That's older I'm than they were. I'm just thinking about, like, our middle schoolers. And I mean, that weed eater is older than I was yeah. at my age. It was, it was definitely never. over 13 years old, you mm-hmm. know? It was a gas weed eater yeah. that I cranked everything by myself, mm-hmm. did everything by myself, covered in dirt and grass, and I was out there in, you know, some old boots and jeans just in the middle of summer with a seriously like no joke with a jug of sweet tea that mom made like no i mean like no no exaggeration i'm serious i'm like <laughs> just be sounds out. like a country song yeah and i just be out there <laughs> just cutting grass so that was that was that i did that for years um and then when i was 15 um so i was in boy scouts and part of boy scouts i got my um I became a certified lifeguard through the Boy Scouts. So there was two organizations at that time that could certify you as a lifeguard. Mm-hmm. There was American Red Cross. Oh, no, no, no. YMCA. Mm-hmm. YMCA. Yeah, right? that's who. But yeah. it was through the Red Cross, right? 
I don't know about that. I just remember it was remember Wednesday. Right, I think the Red Cross was the CPR. CPR, yeah. yeah. So you get a lifeguard through the YMCA, mm-hmm. and, or you become a BSA certified lifeguard. Mm-hmm. And they were both recognized as lifeguards mm-hmm. um, for all intents and purposes as far as like getting a job. Mm-hmm. And then obviously it, the American Red Cross was CPR. That's where that came from. And so I was a BSA certified lifeguard, and I got a job at the city pool. Yeah. Uh, with the Rome Floyd Park and Recreational Authority. And that was my first job. My mom, my first summer working there, had to drive me because I was 15 and I learned this for a minute. Um, it honestly was an amazing job. I mm-hmm. worked with my best friend mm-hmm. in the world, Ben. <laughs> um, my first summer there. Second summer I worked with him too. Uh, he had been a lifeguard the year before. He was a year older than me, so he started working the year before me. He had worked as a lifeguard the year before at the Country Club, Horse Leg Country Club, mm-hmm. and Kusa, I think, both. And um, then we got jobs there. And honestly, man, it was a lot of money for a 15 to 16 year old. Like, mm-hmm. we would, whatever our hourly wage was, it was, a, I think it was like eight fifteen an hour. So wow. it was about a dollar, dollar, dollar and a quarter more That's than That's more than wage. I made at Chick fil A. And on top of that, I just hit puberty. On top of that, <laughs> on top of that, we would have uh, parties. Mm-hmm. So during mm-hmm. the regular hours, it was mm-hmm. open general public. We get that minimum wage at parties. We get paid ten dollars an hour cash money oh. before they left. Like oh. they had to pay us in cash. Nice. So you're looking. At, you know, we do parties. I want to say parties were. I want to say Thursday through Sunday. Yeah. So, nice. Three hour, two two hour minimum. I think it was like weekends or Sundays could be like you could rent it for the whole day, which would be like six hours. Mm -hmm. Either way, at a minimum, if you work all parties between Thursday and Sunday, you're looking at nearly two hundred bucks. Like at the end of the day, (laughs) that's pretty good. Yeah, cash, Mm -hmm. untaxed. Yeah, like I don't know how they got by with that, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it was nice. So that was a sweet gig. I did that for two summers. Um, in between the first and the second summer, and then after the second summer, I did other jobs for the uh, Park and Rec. Um, uh, between the first and the second summer, I worked at uh, the baseball fields behind Levy. I worked for, uh, you know, he may not remember me, but I remember this guy. His name was Rick Hossie. And Rick Hossie was like, he was an all, he was like kind of an inspiration to me, man, honestly. Like, he gave me a job. You know what my job was? Hmm. I don't know how it was like a funded. Knowing what I know now, I don't understand how this was like a funded position. Mm-hmm. How they paid somebody. Like they made a job. I feel like they made a job for me. Like they just made a position on their payroll for mm-hmm. me, you know, or for this position. And it was, uh, I literally, I would come in to work and I was in charge of the parking lot. So <laughs> 16 year old, oh. 17 year old little boy in charge yeah. of the parking lot. You know, people can get. Yeah. <laughs> Real wound up about a parking spot, especially behind the levee because yeah. there's no freaking parking back yeah. there. You got, you know, 30,000 baseball fields yeah. and you got like 100 parking spots. Yeah. Like the math doesn't <laughs> add up here. And so, yeah, uh, my job though, I, I had a pickup truck. Mm-hmm. I think that's what sold them because mm-hmm. I agreed mm-hmm. that I would use my pickup truck and mm-hmm. my gas. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like a big deal. I would just go, I pull up, we kept all, we had a cone. So we had a mm-hmm. cone off the parking lot mm-hmm. every night and mm-hmm. then undecone it, I guess. So I'd put all, I put probably, I'd, I don't know, man. 
couple hundred cones in the bed <laughs> of my pickup truck. This old Ford F-150 I had. And um, I'd drive around setting all the cones out by myself. I'd, I'd get in the truck. I'd load all the cones by myself. I had hand trucks because uh, they were behind a fence. Mm-hmm. Hand truck them out in my truck. And then I would um, drive around and lay the cone. I'd drive the truck, stop. Lay all the lay con lay up you know twenty yards of cones out. Drive another twenty yards. Get out. Stop. Lay another twenty <laughs> yards of cones out. But I got it down pat where I would had all I had I could load all the cones and had them all set a couple hundred cones laid out in like forty five mm-hmm. minutes. I, mean, yeah. I was moving, son. Nice. Yeah. And then I would park my truck at the top of the parking lot um, mm-hmm. near the entrance to the ball field. Mm-hmm. And then uh, essentially the only people that were allowed in were. Um, like coaches to where I parked, mm-hmm. where I where I like controlled the area, where coaches and then handicap spots. Mm-hmm. So, um, it, it got interesting. Um, and then me and Ben Ben came back for a little bit and we worked inside the concession stand. So I'd lay out all the cones and I'd work concessions. And then also I'd come in on the weekends and I'd work the scoreboards for mm-hmm. the peewee games and stuff. So, yeah. it was fun, man. It was a cool experience. Um. And honestly, just working for a guy who really was just super generous and nice and just, like, understood when, like, needed off and also understood that I was, like, 16 years old and mm-hmm. just needing to make a little pocket money, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he, yeah, he, he helped me out. He was a good guy. Um, and then another job I did for Park and Rec between lifeguarding and that, um, I actually ended up working at a rec center uh, as a night time kind of like rec center kind of manager essentially so um there was a basketball uh court in there and we would have functions we had some special need programs that would come mm-hmm. utilize the facility but the main thing was um we had some tennis courts and some basketball courts and so i would kind of like oh you, you want to come bar a basketball okay well give me something they'd have to give me some collateral mm-hmm. uh, but the big the main main thing is we had we held um like like rec league basketball games mm-hmm. what was that upstart what was it called upstart no uh that was basketball league like outside of school it was just rec basketball yeah it had a name upward upward that's what it that was, was church basketball. Okay, maybe not. Rec league basketball. <laughs> um, so that got interesting because you get those fired up parents. Yeah. So it was very interesting at 17 years old, uh, a you know, 30, 40 plus year old referee would come to me and say, hey, you got to kick this person out of the facility. Mm-hmm. They're out of here. They, they got to go. So 17 year old me would have to go into the gym <laughs> and say, sir. This is so funny to me. Sir, ma'am, you have you have to leave. You've been ejected from the game. Mm-hmm. And they would just laugh, you know. And I kind of made a name for myself there because I was the kid who would kick people out of the gym, mm-hmm. kick people out of basketball games, grown adults, you know. <laughs> the funniest thing that ever happened actually was uh, I kicked somebody out of the gym. I, I was I was never actually in the basketball court. I sat at a desk out front. Mm-hmm. Um, I was never actually in the basketball court, court. But I guess something went down. Some words were some fighting words were had and maybe mm-hmm. some threats were made. And, um, so I guess I, I, the cops didn't get called. I think it was threatened to be called. But anyways, I ended up having to escort some people out of the gym. After the game, this guy came up to me who I guess was a reporter for like hometown headlines or mm-hmm. something, not Rome News Tribune, but some, mm-hmm. one of those like grassroots upstart like papers and was like asking mm-hmm. me about it. And I'm like, 
no comment, dude. Like, this is mm-hmm. weird. Why? What? It must be a slow day. You're mm-hmm. in here asking me about yeah. some people getting kicked out of a rec, basketball rec league basketball yeah. game. So, <laughs> so I worked for Ron Floyd Park and Recreational Authority. Mm-hmm. That was honestly a sweet gig. Just working for them in general really was cool. Um, so what did I do after that? So then after that, mm, so – uh, my senior year of high school, I got picked up for this internship program, um, the last semester of high school. And, um, basically I'd go to school for half the day and then I spend the other half of the day at a job I had to apply mm-hmm. for and, uh, couldn't get paid for it, but I got it. I would get graded and get a grade. They, you know, they fill out some like, um, performance report things and evaluation things. And so I got a job at Blue Sky Outfitter. Uh, but the uh-huh. year before, once again, Ben had done the same exact thing. So he pretty much got me the job uh-huh. and, um, or the internship, I shouldn't say job, internship that led to a job. So I started working there and those are probably the most formative years of my like adult life, to be honest. So like I worked there for, um, three guys who ended up being three of like the biggest influences on my early adult life. And um, Tim, Herrick, and Brandon, and spent way too much time at that place. Um, but after I graduated high school, um, so I got—I was in high school. I went—I worked at that job, in terms retail job, and retail was cool. Uh, opened up my eyes, it made me really realize a lot about humans in general. Mm-hmm. But. Mm-hmm. Um, Retail can be pretty ruthless, especially mm-hmm. during the holidays when everybody's supposed to be all, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, lovey dovey. But if you're on the other side of that counter, once again, mm-hmm. then you are like the enemy to them. Yeah. Um, after I graduated high school, though, I left Blue Sky, left the internship at Blue Sky. I wasn't getting paid at that point. I think I'm, no, I wasn't getting paid because uh, as soon as I left, I graduated high school, I um, took my absolute dream job. Um, <laughs> so I had spent my spring break, my senior year of high school and, uh, became, I, uh, went to raft guide school. So whitewater rafting in my, uh, 2000 summer, 2010, 2011, I spent as a whitewater raft guide on the Ocoee river in Tennessee. Um, and that just goes back to when I was in boy scouts around 15, I got into whitewater kayaking and got really deep into the whitewater sports, um, so that was pretty cool. But, man, my two summers as a raft guide were, like, it's what I want to do when I got there. Like, I want to retire the Air Force to go be a raft guide again. Yeah. Like, that's my that's my goal. That's my plan is to retire the Air Force between 20 and 25 years and, and then be able to have, like, a job during the – kind of the school year, like either like substitute or do something, set myself up right where I can do that and then be a raft guide in the summer. Um, honestly, I don't even know how to explain what it, was, <laughs> what it was like being a raft guide. Like it's just, it's really hard to explain. It's one of the things that like, I think I have like a, that's why I have a hard time like connecting to some people in the Air Force because I'm like, I had this like experience where, honestly, it's just hard to, you can put it into words. I don't know. It was just really cool. So I did that. 
And basically what that entailed is, like, if you've ever been whitewater rafting on, like, Nantahala or Coey River or anywhere out west, like, on the Snake River or the Colorado River, Arkansas River, wherever, um, then the guy in the back of your raft, that that was me. That's what I did. And uh, at the end of the day, like, I didn't go home. Like, well, I went home, but I didn't go, like, to my home home. I lived in, like, a screened-in shack outside, essentially, <laughs> like, an open-air tent, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, you know, I... That's what I did. Like, I got paid minimum wage. I got paid less doing... I got paid less doing something that I had a uh, licensing in mm-hmm. than I did working at a, you know, as a lifeguard, lifeguard. in a five-foot-deep pool. Yeah. The deepest part of the pool is five-foot-deep. Mm-hmm. And so, I had people, you know, people legit died doing this on this river. I mean, mm-hmm. people would die, mm-hmm. lose their lives uh, because of accidents, and I got paid minimum Tennessee minimum wage seven seven and a quarter mm-hmm. I got tips but still the tips were I mean I made more money in my first summer as a lifeguard than I probably made in two summers as a raft guide like mm-hmm. no joke yeah. so but honestly it has nothing to do with it it was still the to this day the best job I've ever had mm. for sure um and it's one that's it's a battle that I'm constantly having every day in the Air Force. So I'm like, yeah, what I'm doing is like super rewarding. I'm making a difference. But whew, best job I ever had was a raft guide, <laughs> like, without a doubt. So I was a whitewater raft guide, and um, it was great. So, But I did have one job right before I joined mm-hmm. the Air Force mm-hmm. that – was not so great. It wasn't terrible, mm-hmm. um, but it wasn't the best job I ever had. Mm-hmm. So I worked as a tech aide at a hospital, which essentially meant I worked in the radiology department, and I was a uh, radiology tech aide. So it was like their aide, whatever. Their helped him, helper. <laughs> essentially, I was like a. I guess not like an orderly. I was because I went into like bedpans, but I was a transporter. Mm-hmm. So I just transported patients around the hospital. And uh, funny enough, I was in school when I started that job. I was in school to become a um, EMT with the goal of becoming a paramedic one day. Mm-hmm. And after working in a radiology department that was attached to a trauma unit, I saw enough traumas that I realized that wasn't for me. Um, and actually just I was doing really well in the EMT school. I was one of the top people in the class, but I walked into the instructor's office one day and said, I don't want to do this, I'm quitting, I'm dropping out. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was the first thing I ever quit in my life. Like I never had up to that point I'd never quit anything. I'd always seen everything through. And I and I know people who had the same sentiments, but they 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 were like, I'm not quitting, I'm gonna stay, I'm gonna get this license, but it was gonna cost me a buttload of money that mm-hmm. I didn't have to go through this course and I was just like I'm not going to do this mm-hmm. so what's the point of me doing it mm-hmm. and I ended up just dropping out of the course altogether because I was like I don't want to see these like physical traumas to human beings you know yeah so it's just uh, more power to people that do that because I, I, I can't, definitely couldn't I can't do no. it and I learned that about myself I so I enjoyed the medicine side of it and the science side of it mm-hmm. but like I couldn't deal with mutilated bodies mm-hmm. from accidents traumatic accidents so yeah that's kind of the rundown of my jobs and i joined the air force and i'll talk about that enough so yeah the best the best job you i joined had, the air force 
worst. Best job I had though was as a raft guy, whitewater raft guy. But and that's because though that was my passion at the time. Like, mm-hmm. um, honestly, it's probably still is. Still is. I, yeah. I don't ever get to do it anymore. But like, whitewater boating mm-hmm. is my passion. That's, Which hopefully you'll be able to do here. I'm hoping so. So this summer. Yeah. But like I remember, so <laughs> you and I were dating, kind of. <laughs> When you were working at the hospital. Mm-hmm. And I remember you texting me one time and just, you like, you told me you were going in the Air Force. It's mm-hmm. just so weird to think about. Because you just gave like this history leading mm-hmm. up to that. And it was I just, just like, I know where I was like there. You're asking me why I was going in the Air Force. Well, I mean, why, so did, I you, why did you join the Air Force? So it always had because, a, hold on, hold on, hold okay. on. <laughs> because, honestly... When we were kind of, I say dating loosely, the first time, you never mentioned anything about the Air Force. Or, like, any branch of the military. Yeah. So, um... Came out of nowhere. Yeah, I have a few family members that served. My my grandfather was in the Army in Korea and served valiantly in Korea. Like, I mean, honestly, in my opinion, was a war hero. And, um, my uncle served in the Navy, um, and my brother served in the Marine Corps. And I just, I don't know. Those were three people that I always really looked up to. And I, um, I was always interested in the military. I was in the Boy Scouts for, um, eight years and no, seven years, seven years and as an Eagle, I'm an Eagle Scout, and um, I, li- I was in a Boy Scout troop that was pretty, uh, what's the word, structured. Oh, okay. Pretty structured, so it has some pretty uh, intense leadership. That was good, though. I mean, they we bumped heads every now and then, didn't get along on some things, but looking back, I'm really glad that they made me do the things that I did. Um, they were all about paperwork, funny enough, and the Boy Scouts. Mm. When it came to merit badges, you have uh, merit badge documentation. So essentially work books for each merit yeah. badge. Mm-hmm. And I had this scout master, um, Mr. Mr. Fred, and who's one of the biggest influences in my life ever. I mean, if not the biggest influence in my life outside of family. Um, actually, I will, yeah, I will say it. The biggest influence in my life outside of family. And mm-hmm. he... Um, harped on me and harped on me he would not give me it wouldn't matter i could sit down i could perform all the tasks of the merit badge anything that the merit badge asked me to do i could do it but if i didn't fill out the paperwork for it he would not award me that merit badge i was so mad about it so (laughs) mad um i would look i would look up boy scout regulations about Mm -hmm. it but he'd be like i don't care what it says you're doing this This is my rule you're Mm -hmm. doing it which is funny because now I'm in this position where I can say kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. I can say, hey, the standard is to pass your CDC test. Mm-hmm. But my expectation is for you to get a 90 on it. Mm-hmm. You didn't get a 90, then I'm, I can, I can, you didn't get a 90, then I can mark you, you passed it, and I can mark you here. Mm-hmm. Yo, you, you made the 90, cool, I can mark you as you met my expectation. And you got better than a 90 and you did this other thing. Then I can like mm-hmm. you. You did this, you know. I can mark you further yeah. up on an on an evaluation. Excuse me, I'm getting hot. <laughs> so <clears throat> that 
and you know, my scout troop, Mr. Fred, we, so our troop 118 in Rome, um, our head little, I guess, sponsor was the, uh, uh, army, uh, national guard mm. there off of Calhoun highway mm-hmm. at the old armory up there. So my first ever scoutmaster was Mr. Simmons and Mr. Simmons uh, was uh, a high enlisted per- I can't remember what his rank was in the army, but pretty highly enlisted in the Army National Guard. And I remember being uh, 11 years old. Um, so 9 11 happened in uh, 2001. I was in fourth grade. I joined Boy Scouts. Um, I want to say I joined Boy Scouts in sixth grade. So 9 11 had happened two to three years prior mm-hmm. and I remember I remember I had just joined Boy Scouts I'd been in for about six months I'd gotten in on Mr. Simmons we had gone on a couple of camping trips he had taken me uh, out to Camp Cindy which is the Boy Scout camp out there in Rome Armory, Georgia and he um, got to know him really well I got to know his son really well who I watched him get his Eagle Scout in my first year, and Jake, his son, was a big influence on me early on in Boy Scouts. And he uh, came in one day and uh, to a scout meeting and had to essentially resign as our scoutmaster. Mm-hmm. Um, because you have a scoutmaster, assistant scoutmaster, and you got adult leaders. He was the scoutmaster of our troop, and it was because he had. Um, the unit had been activated to go. I don't know whether they went to Afghanistan or Iraq. I don't, I don't know, but they went somewhere. And uh, I just remember him like, just honestly, he cried and like, yeah, it was really emotional. You know, it was a big deal for him. And honestly, from then on out, like my troop was just very like involved in all things like supporting military. Mm. And Mr. Cronin was huge on it. He taught us how to properly. I'll never forget. How to properly retire a uh, U.S. like an American flag, mm. um, and he taught us how to cut the flag up mm. appropriately and respectfully, and burn it respectfully. How you're supposed to do it? You cut each, you cut the field out, the mm. blue field out. You cut each stripe, red, white stripe, um, and you, you you burn the entire flag. And there's this whole ceremony. He explained what every color meant, mm. why each stripe what each stripe meant, what each star, what, why everything was the way it was. And then not only that, but we burned the flag. And then the next day he came back and the, um, islets or, mm-hmm. uh, I, I guess islets the best word. There's, they're called us. There's a specific thing. It's not islet, but the, the, how you attach a flag to the pole. He mm-hmm. came back the next day after they had cooled down and collected them. Mm-hmm. And uh, you do something with those. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember what you do, but you save them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you do something with them. And he did that, and uh, he just explained all that. And it was just, hmm. and he made a standard attention and everything. Like, it was crazy. Wow. Yeah. And so, I just, honestly, all that structure throughout my whole life, if I, if I did not have structure, I did not succeed as, like, a person. Like, mm-hmm. um, so... I don't know, and I mean, I had looked at joining the Navy before. Uh, you know, the Marines was always there, the Army, but I knew that kind of wasn't really for me. Um, I was joining the Navy, and I actually got as far as like um, almost going down, almost joining the Navy. Like, I almost went down to Atlanta to MEPS to like swear into the Navy, and then just essentially it just was like 
kind of quit cold turkey on it. I just didn't do it. Hmm. And then about a year and a half went by and said, uh, I had some friends in the Air Force and they were like, hey, you should join the Air Force. And I said, okay. And I went and talked to the recruiter in Rome and the next thing I knew, like three months later, I was in San Antonio, Texas, push, like doing push-ups. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. That was 2014. So, yeah. yeah. So in 2010, 11, and 12, I had hair down to my shoulders. Mm-hmm. And by 2014, <laughs> I had a hind tie. Yeah. Know? It's funny. And honestly, it was, uh, I had a friend, uh, one of my closest friends is a raft guide, who tried to talk me out of joining the military. Mm-hmm. Just just not for any, not for like selfish reasons or anything. She was just like, I don't think you're like, not that I wasn't cut out for the military. She just didn't see me as like, being i guess being in the military mm-hmm. i suppose but yeah, there's funny, a stereotype yeah and i did not fit that stereotype mm-hmm. at that point in my life mm-hmm. right? I, don't, I think everybody I, can't, I think it came out of left field for everybody it did yeah that's what <laughs> i was saying is like it was just so random yeah and so well t- to you but to my parents i don't think as much like to no, my sister probably not. Them, i mean i didn't know you that well i honestly. think they all they all saw it mm-hmm. um, well not they saw it coming but they were not surprised mm-hmm. um but yeah Anyways, her name, well, we called her Cornbread, but her name's Lauren. And <laughs> she ended that. up joining the Marines, though, man. Mm-hmm. And this was the lady who tried to talk me out of it, which is great. Honestly, I'm not, that's awesome, but. Cornbread. You met her husband, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, he's still a RAF guy. He's like a RAF guy manager. I nice. And then Hala. So, whew. Well. Real long-winded. I'm glad you ended up where you are. Mm-hmm. Are you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The thing is, is I don't. If I hadn't, if I hadn't joined the Air Force, I'll tell you where I would be right now. I, I know for a fact. I would be because I was at a breaking point working at the hospital, and then mm-hmm. just in life as well. Like I was just ready to make a huge change in my life. And same. If I hadn't joined the Air, it was either join join the Air Force or I was gonna go back and be a raft guy and go full blown seasonal worker. So. I have a lot of friends to this day who not they, they're raft guys during the summer mm-hmm. out east coast. Mm-hmm. They work at Nanahala, Ekoe, Chatuga, wherever, uh, or even out in the west coast. And then during once fall turns to winter, they pack up all their stuff and they move to a ski resort and they become lifties, ski patrol, ski instructors, ski photographers, whatever. They work at it's a seasonal gig and that's what they do. Um, mm-hmm. some of those people are immensely happy. Mm-hmm. The majority of them are very jaded and depressed mm-hmm. and that doesn't make them any less awesome people. They're some of the best people I've ever met, but I feel for those people and I feel like I really wish they would, you know, do something else, mix it up a little bit for themselves. They don't have to go join the military or work at a hospital or something mm-hmm. crazy but just mix it up for themselves because i think they just get themselves in these positions where i don't know they there's a whole nother topic I, i'm not trying to judge because yeah. i haven't done that but so would you encourage someone who is curious about joining the military to do it yeah yeah i mean why not you can sign up for four four years ain't nothing you can sign up for four just years just try it out Except for four years, <laughs> your first year is going to be training. Mm-hmm. 
And then the second year is going to be more – the first year is going to be training because you're going to spend – what is it? It's going back to eight weeks now, so it's going to be uh, two months of boot camp, which Air Force boot camp – I'm not saying it, – it's not a joke, but it's not – you're not – no one can – you know, it's it's not that bad. You know, it's it's worth it. I'll put it that way. It's worth it. And then you're going to go to your technical training. So whatever your job is, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to get trained on that technically. If you're lucky, you'll actually get like real certification and maybe a real license out of it. And then your uh, third, uh, your second, third, and fourth year, your second year, you're going to spend doing OJT. So you're going to, you know, if you're lucky, you'll get orders overseas, Germany, Italy, Japan. There's people in Iceland. There's people in England. You know, like... Mm-hmm. Lodge Portugal, which is well Lodges, which is uh, Lodges Air Force Base, which is off the coast of Portugal, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, other Hawaii, other Alaska, mm-hmm. somewhere else in awesome the country. Places. Yeah, yeah. I mean, wherever. In that first year, you're going to spend is just you know OJT on the job training. It's not that hard being an airman A one C, you know E two E three, and then by your third year, you're going to be getting close to sewing on senior airmen sewing on senior airmen you're getting more responsibilities you're learning your job more the next thing you know man you're at your fourth year and you got the choice hey is this working out for me it it is cool i'm gonna i'm gonna re-enlist or you'll get orders somewhere else and you'll go somewhere else in the world or in the country whatever and you know you can extend you can extend you can extend for six months mm-hmm. and say well, I, i'm just gonna extend i mean let me let me give this another year and see Mm-hmm. You know, um, that point you can start studying for promotion, make, maybe make a staff sergeant and, you know, or you can you get to that fourth year, a third, three and a half year mark and you're like, I'm ready to get out of here. And if you're lucky, you've, um, gained some, some skills, some trade skills that you can carry over into the civilian sector to either turn into a career or use to make money while you train for another career, whether that's college or vocational school or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then now with the new retirement system, um, anyone who joins now is automatically enrolled into the uh, blended retirement system, which is essentially a 401k. So the way that works is whatever you contribute to your own retirement, the Air Force matches up to 10%. Mm-hmm. And you get to take that with you when you leave. So, like, for me right now, the way it works for me, I've been in for going on, what is it, five, uh, yeah, five six, years, five years. Oh. And I'm a staff, so I'm still on staff. For me, if I don't, point is, if I don't stay in for 20 years and retire, I don't get anything. I get mm-hmm. zero retirement. Um, if you come in now and you, if you join now, then you automatically get that kind of 401k and that leaves if you do if you do two years in the air force for some reason something happens that retirement goes with you to your next job you Mm -hmm. can use that as as essentially a 401k Mm -hmm. so it's called brs or whatever but yeah i would recommend joining yeah mostly anybody not everybody but mostly i think females especially i think that there's we need more females in the service without a doubt well yeah but like when we were in high school, it was very frowned upon for girls to join any branch of the military. And honestly, I remember when the recruiter would come to the school, that would just call uh, the guys. The guys, yeah. Too. And honestly, I I even had like a 
negative perception of it. Military? Yeah. Why? I mean, like, I just didn't think, I don't know. I, I think there was, like, just a disconnect. I didn't know what so everyone actually did. Back when our grandparents were, like, our age. I think that's what it was. It's, like, I've heard these stories from, like, my great-grandpa. Well, and it's just not like that. Well, my, my point was, was back when our grandparents were our age, they knew multiple people who were in the military. Mm-hmm. Who were served in combat mm-hmm. wars. And they also knew multiple people who made a career out of the military. Mm-hmm. Now, people our age can go their entire lives and not ever even know mm-hmm. one single person that even served in the military. Yeah. And that's because less than 1% <laughs> of the U.S. population serves. Mm-hmm. So, it's it's, an inter- it's very interesting to me. And um, It's a smaller group of people yeah. than people think. Yeah. And when you look at a map of... Uh, States and the states and the where the majority of service service members come from mm-hmm. that can get pretty interesting as well. What's the most south? The south. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Georgia is huge. Georgia and Texas. Mm. Huge. That kind of makes sense. Huge numbers. Yeah. Um, I think Culturally, a lot of it, yeah. it makes sense. Yeah, and also uh, economically as well. For yeah. people, their backgrounds. So, that's another thing. It's just, like, why people join in the first place. So, like, you have a reason. But for a lot of people, that reason is to just make their life I know generally I've better. Met, I've met two people so far. And I've probably met more but didn't know it. But I've met two people that have told their story. And both of them, one of them, both of them were homeless. Mm-hmm. But that's pretty much gist of it one of them his teeth were falling out of his face and he didn't know what to do he didn't have the money to go to a dentist and he was living he was literally living under a bridge it was my it was my drill instructor my my MTI boot camp Mm -hmm. and uh, his teeth were falling out of his face and rotting out and he was living under a bridge and he went to the recruiter and within a couple of weeks he was getting his teeth fixed on at Lackland Air Force Base in Texas and Mm -hmm. then he was back there as an MTI you know Mm -hmm. 15 years later the guy the guy had won, like, some crazy uh, Air Force award for saving a dude's life in Afghanistan. They were clearing buildings. Mm. And, th- and this was back, and this dude's not, like, a cop or anything. He was, he was a sheet metal worker for planes. Mm. And But back then, when we first went into these countries, everybody was carrying, like, carrying and mm-hmm. doing crazy stuff. So uh, then my... I met a guy recently who also was homeless before he joined. And so... So it got him off, you know, out of the streets, and so it's it's pretty crazy, man. Like it's it's one of those things where, like, if you're in a really crappy situation, you can join the military and get yourself out of a crappy situation pretty fast. However, Mm. you sign, yeah, you sign away rights. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, that's that's the truth. People, people, it's not. So I've met some people who are like, oh, it's booty. They don't want to talk about it. But I mean, we've talked about it recently in my ALS course, where like. Joining the military, you sign away rights, you know, so. Yeah. I mean, you do. I sign away parts of my freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. Certain things I can and can't, certain things I cannot say anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, freedom of, you know, like, yeah, just expression and things like that. So it's pretty, it's inter- it's, it's, it's very interesting. It's an interesting, like, it's an interesting lifestyle, lifestyle I guess. Lifestyle, yeah. yeah. I mean, the thing, 
you see it in me like I don't know I'm sure you've seen it in me things that you've probably noticed I don't even notice myself what do you mean I don't know things that like maybe I do or don't do that the military has like instilled in you yeah yeah essentially all the time yeah yeah anywho so that was our long-winded description of jobs that we've had and I guess just what we wanted to um, convey, is that I the guess, right word? I guess. With that is that if you're in a situation or working at a job that you're not necessarily happy with, then to change it. Yeah, there's other things for you to do. Yeah. <laughs> like or, there's so many jobs out yeah. there don't be afraid honestly i think people get hung up uh, and they're afraid to like change jobs because mm-hmm. they're afraid of how that will seem and screw that like, yeah do, do do what makes you happy yeah in the day i mean i know it sounds cheesy but life honestly is a little too short to be like to be not happy something. in a job makes you miserable after all a job is a job and if what you do and if to do something that makes you happy, you have to go to school for and work for, then go to school for and work for it. But if you don't have to go to school for the job that you want, then don't don't go to school. If don't you can, waste your money. God no, time. Don't waste your time. Your, Do not go to school yeah. because that's like your expect your societal expectation. No, gosh, no. I didn't go to school. I mean, it's, I'm gonna go. To school. Yeah. yeah. But it's just not worth it. Like, if you want to do something that doesn't require that, then just don't put yourself through that. Yeah. Because you're not going to enjoy it. You're not going to do well because you're not, like, you don't want to be there. Yeah. But I will say, caveat to that is, no matter, I, I think, no matter where you go in life and whatever occupation you choose, you don't expect to go somewhere and not learn. You're, there's really not many career fields out there where that you can yeah. get into where you're going to be like, I, I, I mean, it's hard for me to even sit here and think of any, like any, any, I don't want to put this because I don't want to sound demeaning, but like any meaningful career field, I guess. Okay. Not meaningful, but like. So like I'm a parapro, parapro right now. Yeah. But like. My point is, quick, I, is that there's nothing that you can do that is not going to require you to further your knowledge. Yeah, yeah. And education. That was my point, yeah. And things like that. Like maybe it's not academic mm-hmm. it's going to be certifications mm-hmm. and licenses which mm-hmm. honestly will get you further than any degree at this mm-hmm. point mm-hmm. In, the, in, in time is having a license and certifications <laughs> are more important because you if you're licensed on something i mean that holds more weight than a degree yeah you know if you're a licensed if you, you you can you can be someone without a college degree and be a licensed uh professional uh project project management mm-hmm. professional that you have your PMP license and not have a degree and that holds more weight than somebody with a business management license at the end of the day because to get a project management professional license you have to have and show so many hours of actual project management you know someone who has a management degree shows that they did some classes where they wrote some papers that they understand the concepts and the theories but mm-hmm. they didn't actually do it Okay, yeah, so that's kind of, like, what my degree was. Like, I was telling you the other day that going to school for that long really taught me how to go to school. Mm. I'm really good at going to school. And you went crazy when you weren't in school. Yeah, I'm really good at it. Like, I have no problem at all going to school. But, like, as far as practical knowledge in the classroom, 
I still don't have the skills to deal with a lot but of stuff that I deal with at school. How, how can college prepare you for it can't. a fourth grader? Yeah. No, it can't. Doing saying all crazy the crazy stuff, stuff yeah. or asking you they something do. insane. Like, mm-hmm. why is the letter A shaped the way it is? Like, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, school doesn't, college yeah. doesn't prepare you for, no. or, or for why, you know, hey, Bobby, like, why are you falling asleep in class? Well, I couldn't sleep last night and mm-hmm. you get into all that. Like, yeah. like that doesn't prepare you. <laughs> yeah. Like, but you have a license. Mm-hmm. You are licensed. Then, and that's what's crazy to me is like when people, I talk to talk about you to other people, I'm like, I, I leave out the part that you went to school. I'm like, yeah, she's a state licensed uh, elementary school teacher. Cause to me, from where I come from, what, and on a, on my, like, or how I perceive things, being licensed on something is holds so much more weight than having a degree in something. That's interesting because for me personally, I feel like the degree does. No. For me, okay, I'm not saying no. I'm just saying no for me. Yeah. Like, people ask me, like, they're like, oh, what's your wife do? I'm like, oh, well, she's a state licensed elementary school teacher. Yeah. That's the first words that come out of my mouth. Well, thanks for talking me up. Yeah, because to me, like, being a licensed like I, it's a license like like a degree mm-hmm. is not it's not recognized by a government a license is issued I by the state saying, of georgia I it is a it is, it is is it a standard that you have met mm-hmm. and it's saying you are credentialed mm-hmm. to do this i see what like, you're saying that to me but that just for holds me, so much it was more like i was the one who went through school and everything so like the fact that i got the degree is more important yeah and see and to, and to me though that's that that's just like yeah but that's like the thoughts that we grew up i know and that's what i'm trying to say is like it's a bad reflection of like what people have told us that matters because to me what matters is and i guess because i work for the government was having like a license from a government and it's like you're qualified to do this like they're saying i get that i mean you know i get that i don't know but me that makes whatever (laughs) anyway so i think we have talked for an hour and a half let's make it two no two hours no no, no. i gotta go to sleep I think I'm gonna eat some ice cream first. You're eating some ice cream? That banana Probably. ice cream? No, that cookie dough. Oh yeah. We um they have a ton of Halo Top ice cream, if you're familiar. They're like supposed to be low calorie, high protein ice creams and stuff. And we're trying to be better, although we just had pizza and cheese sticks. So I'm gonna eat some ice cream. Our pizza had vegetables on it though. Had a, uh, our pizza was pretty that's much true. our pizza had pretty much had a salad on top of it. But we only ate like one piece. Because it was, it was disgusting, <laughs> yeah. Because it had a salad on. I told you. All right. All Thanks right. for hey. listening to us ramble. Yeah, you'll probably hate this. <laughs> That's not true. We need to stop being so self-deprecating and just act like everyone wants to hear what we have to say. You're right. Anyways, I'm Houston. I'm Taylor. And you just heard uh, midnight quesadillas or noonday tacos. However you want to look at it. <laughs> Later.